Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. On a Wednesday, the midpoint of our week together. Ben and Woods, 97.3 The Fan. Thanks so much for being here. You guys are the greatest audience in radio history, as far as I'm concerned. And it's also National Compliment Day. So I wanted to uh, get that out there to you. You've made our, our lives complete. Okay? And uh, make it a lot of fun to come in every day. Also, my co-hosts make it uh, very fun to come in every day. You guys are both wonderful at what you do. Compliments are flowing on National Compliment Day. I would like to just echo your sentiment. Okay. You started the show talking about some fan mail you got. Some yes. awesome pictures of Bo playing flag football. I actually received some mail uh, the other day after we got back from fantasy camp from a listener. Uh, her name is Tracy, and she reached out. She painted a watercolor painting of our dog, Jackson, uh, that we put down a few weeks ago. She heard our story. Uh, you heard, heard me talking about it. That Monday, and she sent over a beautiful. It's painting. amazing. Yeah, I saw that. It was really it cool. Incredible. So good, and she just captured his sweet little smile so perfectly, and I, it just it warmed my heart so much. I said, "We have the best freaking audience 
in radio. Yeah, there's no there's question. No denying. No, de- no question. So you thank guys you again. take such good care uh, of us. And we try to do the same for you as well. But, uh, you know, listen, some days it, uh, some days you're the dog, some days you're the hydrant. National compliment. Day, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Woods, you are creative Thank and you, energetic. Oh, I don't like compliments. Thank and you. And you inspire me to be better <laughs> every you. single day. Like and I, I appreciate that I uh, working like with you every morning. I don't so like National Peanut Butter Day. Ooh, no, I do love peanut butter. <laughs> we can't even. We have uh, instituted a ban in my home yeah, on peanut butter. My wife and I are like junkies. <laughs> I've seen her. Now, she is very, um, she's very, I'll say, she's uh, uh, anal about things. This woman will go, walk to the kitchen, and I've caught her multiple times. Spoon in the peanut butter, eating it, sticking the spoon back in the peanut butter. She cannot control herself. Now, I'm, this, I'm not calling her out. I can't control myself either. When she falls asleep, if there's peanut butter in the house... I look over, I give her a little shove to make sure she's asleep. I creep out to the kitchen, I get the row of saltines, I get my peanut butter, and I'll suck down seven or eight. I, we, so, we, so we can't keep it in the house anymore. We can't, it's not just for the kids. We have banned it from our home. I came home last week from camp, and they had those, my wife had those delicious pretzels with the peanut butter in it. Mm. There were maybe nine left in the bin. Done. I grabbed them all. I <laughs> ate them. She came in later. She goes, where are those? After those pretzels, I go, I hate them. She's like, those are mine. They're for me. And I said, I'm sorry. They were there. We've had to institute a ban on peanut butter. No one is allowed to eat peanut butter in our home because we cannot control ourselves. You know, I... Chunky or creamy? Uh, creamy. I will... Um, I'll eat both. I'll care. do a spoonful of peanut butter. And well, I know it's not the healthiest because I don't... I don't like those organic peanut butter. They're not I, great, I, I man. Want, I want Skippy. I want Jif and Skippy. I want yeah. Skippy. I, I Smear totally it all over that. me. Yes. <laughs> but... I feel like I'm making a better choice than what I might have had otherwise, like four Oreo cookies or something. Of course. You know, one scoop of peanut butter is actually a pretty decent, like, little dessert that I'll have. Protein. There's Uh, protein in there. That's how I justify it. I won't scoop it back in. Right. Just the one one spoonful. It can be a large spoonful. (laughs) Big old ice cream scoop. Yeah, big, giant one spoonful of peanut butter. The problem with eating a lot of peanut butter is when I do, I can feel my heart. Stopping. I can feel the plaque build up around it, and and once I eliminate it, I feel better. But it's so good, and uh, it just it, we've had to we just said we, we can't do it. I can't control myself. You can't control yourself. So we we got it out of the house. It's usually, it's also National Lobster Thermidor Day, which is very exciting because usually that's Fridays, and to have it on a Wednesday is pretty exciting at home so there is no way that you didn't take lobster thermidor in your lunch to school when you were a little kid what is it you guys know what lobster thermidor is so i think so it's basically the twice it's the twice baked potato of lobsters i don't think i'd like it you don't like a twice baked potato i love a twice baked potato i don't want cheese on my in a twice baked potato they take the potato and you scoop out all the insides and you mix it with like cheese and throw it back in sour cream delicious throw it back in and then put cheese on top and you bake it with lobster thermidor, you take the lobster meat out and you mix it like a wine butter sauce and turn it into kind of like a, and then you stuff it back in the lobster at the end with where you can cheese just, though. Uh, you can gruyere it on top if you want with a little cheese on top or not. It's it's more about the wine and uh, like breadcrumbs and and stuff on top. I bet well. it's pretty good. Oh, Polly's found a little lobster thermidor for us uh, on, on the YouTube, YouTube chat. Stream. Let me see it. I, I'm a little delayed. I mean, if anyone is listening right now that wants to bring us lobster thermidor, <laughs> you know, if you're, 
You know, it's like a main dish at your restaurant. You want us to talk about it. We could do so today on National Lobster Thermidor Day. I guess I'm looking at the picture. I wouldn't say no, I suppose. But it's delicious. But here's the thing. If you're going to get lobster, you don't have to. Some stand-up comedian did a bit, and he was talking about, you know, drugs in this country. And he goes, only in America is cocaine not good enough anymore. Now we had to turn it into crack. That's the same principle with lobster. Lobster's beyond perfect on its own, dipped in a little butter. You don't have to spruce it up. I agree right? with that. It's not hamburger meat. It's not a chicken breast. Lobster if on I want its lobster. If I'm in the mood for lobster, there is nothing wrong it's, with regular lobster. It stands alone. Mm, I don't know about that take. It just, stands alone. Just like lobster without like anything. No, you butter sauce. You have to have butter. Of course. Yes. That's all I'm saying. That and honestly, lobster implied. is really more about the butter than anything else. So good. So you don't, I don't, you don't need to trick it up, you know. Like people that get their steaks like Oscar style, I'm like, I don't need asparagus on my steak, and bur- like I don't need all this crap. It's good on its own. You don't have to trick everything up. We don't need to wrap it in bacon, stuff it in a full bird with gorgonzola. You know, just eat it. It's eat it. It's perfect like it is. Lobster is perfect when it comes out on the deal, thick. You dip it in the butter. It's you don't have to mess. You don't it have to me- mix it up that way. That's for it's sure. So good. So it's, good. I, I never order lobsters. The thing though, it's it's a lot of work for well, not a lot of. Well, unless the, you know, you don't you get the you get the thing and then you peel it off and then you throw it down. And you it's just good. Cut it like a steak. But it's they, really good. It's very overpriced. It's massively when it just says market next to it. Like, <laughs> what's market going for today? Twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. What are we doing here? How many ounces? You never have the really cheap day at the market. Oh, market price is actually eight dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Slow day at the market, I guess. <laughs> it's always exorbitant. It's never and a good surprise on market price. Oh, really? You got that lobster for eight bucks. That's fantastic market price today. Uh, Beans in the chat says lobster loving is Dodger loving. I don't get that. Uh, I don't get that comparison. I'm not drawing uh, that connection there. At, at all. But uh, I do love. I do love a nice chunk of lobster dipped in butter. You don't need Gruyere, and you don't need wine in it. Just eat it. Just eat your lobster, Ben. It's also. Talk like a grizzled prospector day. I'm not not doing that. <laughs> no, it's not, is it? I, I missed that you one. Missed oh, that one. On there. Talk like a grizzled prospector. Will you Google that, Paulie, and see if you can find audio of somebody talking like a grizzled prospector? Yeah. Like AJ Preller? <laughs> like a minor league prospector? <laughs> <laughs> or like a gold prospector? I think it's gold prospector. Do, do people still prospect for gold? I'm picturing like Yosemite Sam Go, is kind of the, the prospector. Wow. Like, how did he talk? I don't remember his. How did Yosemite? I don't Sam remember. Was... Like, why are you? <laughs> how did he do it? I think you're doing foghorn leghorn. I think I'm doing foghorn leghorn. <laughs> don't get it. So don't 49er, basically. Yeah. yeah. I saw a guy. We were at a birthday party recently, Ben. With the kids. And uh, it was at a uh, playground, like a park. And there was the playground. There's kids running around the playground. The playground's made of sand. And guess what I saw? Guy with his little metal detector. Prospecting. Prospecting (laughs) in the park. And I thought to myself, so this was a man-made park, right? Man-made. Then they brought sand to it. The little kids running around here. Yeah. Some parents. He's, he's looking for like someone's lost iPhone or something what are in you, the sand, right? What are you thinking you're gonna find? that you're going to find? I get prospecting maybe on the beach where like, oh, some buried treasure wa- washed up and I found it. What are you looking for? A quarter? At a kid's place? Well, I was born here and I was raised here 
And that gummit, I'm going to die here. So that's a grizzled, that's what came up with there, uh, there's a grizzled satisfaction to just finding something hidden, though, isn't there? Yes, but there's not a satisfaction, in my opinion, at least, of lugging that thing around. Like if you find a quarter, you're like, oh, cool, I found a quarter, found a dollar, like it's great. But what are you trying to find in that kid's park? What do you think? Some lost diamond ring, maybe lost, slipped off some lost earring or something. Or, yeah, maybe potentially. Yeah, a lot of parents there. I know that I, you guys didn't grow up in California. So in third grade, you study your state history. I think it was third grade. And so in California, there's a big, big project every year on the gold rush because that was a formative, you know, the statehood, 1849, the 49ers coming to the Northern California to, you know, they found gold at Sutter's Mill and everyone started coming to California. So one of my favorite things in elementary school is we did the gold rush day. Where they we'd go out into the you know the field behind the school, and you know the parents whatever they'd paint these rocks like spray paint them gold, and they'd scatter them out throughout the you know the grass on the soccer field, and then you'd spend the afternoon like searching for gold, and then you'd have like a sluice where you could pan for the gold and try to separate it. the gold from the rocks. I, I bet did. you loved enjoyed, it. So I enjoyed gold rush days so much, quite a bit actually in third grade, <laughs> growing up in California. You know, my kids would too. I mean, they love they love fourth that grade. stuff. Fourth grade, Mr. Garcia says so, and just <laughs> and you found you know the fake gold, yeah, the fake gold, yeah. and you try to get your little. You have maybe a little satchel that you'd put in your gold, your pouch with yep. your gold that you collected <laughs> over the course of the day. Uh, maybe trade it in for like, uh, you know, the mercantile store at yeah. the end because you need to buy supplies and snacks and stuff with your gold. Because oh, that's that how the economy worked back then. Right. Yeah. Gold based uh, economy. In, in, and had his whole day planned out for weeks, I bet. Oh, just so yeah. excited. In Texas, <laughs> we would uh, do, we would go and, and rope. And kill steer uh, on our <laughs> education day in third and fourth grade. So it was really cool. We got to learn how to rope and behead a longhorn. And so that was really Polly fun. growing up in Seattle. They, they just had, had the rain. Coffee, coffee day. day for the fourth graders. <laughs> we did get to do in uh, in sixth grade. I got to go on an overnight, two overnight field trips. We had a camp Waskowitz, which was uh, like a three day overnight camping in the woods sort of thing. And then towards the end of the year, we got to go. Uh, to the coastal areas, mm-hmm. and there was an abandoned um, war bunker from like oh, World War II. Oh, yeah, and they would—they were telling us all about the history there. Like they would have, like the whole area was set up for submarines that could come through oh, so the Pacific cool. Ocean into the Puget Sound, and we got to do like marine biology. Like that was fun. That's a good trip. Yeah, Ben. They just put Ben on a, uh, at the back of a creek with a sluice. <laughs> <laughs> Just panning for fake gold. <laughs> uh, Kim Higgins, if you're listening, if you have any pictures oh. of our little of our little Forty Nine, yeah, I think we're supposed to. I think we dressed up, oh, you know, yeah. kind of in the old kind of West kind of gear for the miners, <laughs> so some sort of bandana of some sort that seemed authentic. <laughs> I need back in the day. I need a picture of you panning we're, for gold. Honestly, aren't we lucky though that we've shifted from a gold based economy and now we. <laughs> Have real money and yeah, because our economy is so good. If we right had now. to like carry like little packs, 
of you know, gold. pouches of gold everywhere to buy <laughs> things at the store. <laughs> Divided. All right, this one weighs 0.43 grams. I'll give you that for a tank of gasoline. Then <laughs> there's then there's be the guy that has really tiny pieces. He pours them all out at one time. You're like, oh, I'll just pay for it. That's man. just gold dust. I'll just pay for it, bro. I got it. I got it. Michael says in the chat, his school went up to the mine in Julian, and they got to pan for gold there. Real gold. That sounds cool. Did, Michael, that did, sounds a lot, even if it was fake gold. Did anyone know. ever find any real gold God, at the mine crazy. in Julia? Well, it's the it's the prospect of it. It's the the line. That sounds better than just going to a park or with a fake field. color, <laughs> like fake colored rock, <laughs> laying in bed at night, going, I mean. It could be me. I could find a giant chunk of gold tomorrow in Julian. I wonder if anybody ever did. Oh, man. I hope they still do that stuff uh, in, in school. We haven't done any field trips yet, but I hope they still get to do stuff like that. No sleepovers, though. That's not happening. Uh, bottom no of chance. the hour, the uh, rabbit hole is coming up. Oh, the story, man. Local uh, story. Of Coronado. Looking forward to that. Uh, when we come back, can we play that audio, uh, Old Guy Rants Against Analytics, again and try to explain why everybody's not crazy? Specifically, when it came to the uh, the Bucks going for two down, two touchdowns. Let me tell you, even I understood that, I, and I, I'm not good it, with math. I, it's it feels like if someone could just sit people down and calmly explain why it makes sense that we wouldn't have kind of dumb rants on television anymore. But uh, people apparently just can't grab their mind around the concept of going for two in that situation. We'll come back after a check of traffic. More Ben and Woods next on 97.3 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, many Ben Rand incoming here, but the next time you hear a sportscaster, a pundit, say that they don't believe in analytics or that analytics are ruining sports, you can go ahead and ignore that person going forward. I tend to 
pretty much agree with you that. Can, now, you can have a intelligent conversation about how much analytics should be part of your strategy, but to say that you know analytics doesn't belong in a, the game is totally wrong because analytics, like the decision, let's say you're an NFL team and you're down two points with two seconds left and you're at the 20-yard line. What do you do? What do the analytics tell you to do? You kick a field goal to win the game. Right. That's that is also analytics. The analytics is simply yeah, that's, is, true. It's, it's, that's analytics as it's, well. Now it's also very logical to all of us. It's common sense, but a lot of analytics is just the gray areas of where common sense starts to blend with percentages. Right, there's, and, there's a couple of different things we can do here. Which one is going to give us the best chance to win? Do we have the audio? Yes, we do, okay. I believe. So I want to I want to hear the rant. So in the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks game uh over the weekend, uh when they were down 14 points in the second half, uh and were trying to come back and they had a chance, they scored a touchdown and they were down 8 at that point. So you could kick a extra point and try to get down 7 or as Analytics has kind of indicated the most advantageous thing to do in that situation is to go for two. And we'll yep. talk about that. But here is the uh, the rants from PTI's Michael Wilbon against analytics because of the decision by the Bucks against the Lions to go for two down eight points. The two-point conversion attempt that left them eight down. Don't start me with the two-point conversions. And the analytics say go for it. Do the analytics say go for it no matter who's going for it? So if you and I were on the field, the analytics say go for it. It's the stupidest, laziest, lamest thing I've ever heard for reasoning in competition. And I hate when announcers just buy it without questioning it. The analytics say go for it. Jared Goff. They're not buying it because someone said the analytics went for it. They're buying it because someone probably took a moment to explain. Even Woods understands. <laughs> <laughs> why why teams now go for two when they're down 14? It was Olsen that explained it. Greg Olsen explained it in the game, and I, I listened to it, and I went, oh, yeah, makes sense to me. And, and Greg Olsen tweeted with that, that Michael Wilbon rant, this is just further proof how vital it is that announcers continue to educate the viewers on the current approach to NFL football. It isn't announcers being lazy. It's the way the game is being played, and it's here to stay. The game evolves. Not sure why people push back. It's lazy just to think, all right, we're, let's kick the extra point, and we're going to be down seven, because yep. that's what's always been done. That's the lazy thinking. The more advanced way, is there possibly a better way? And the reason, again, why it is advantageous to go for two. There is, you know, they have the stats that you, right. you make a two-point conversion about 55% of the time. You make an extra point, not 100% of the time, about 95% of the time. So if you go for two and you make it and then you score another touchdown, then you have a 95% chance of, of kicking an extra point and winning the game. Yep. If you go for two, you know you have to go for two twice, though, if you miss it. You still have a better than 50% chance of both times making it. So essentially, most of the time, you'll make at least one of those two two-point conversions. So generally, you'll probably be tied some of the time. And when you make it the first time, you'll win almost every time if you score that second touchdown. Yeah. It adds up to a much better strategy than simply playing for overtime, which if you get there... 
you then have a coin flip Correct. chance of winning the game in the end. You've gotten yourself to a 50% chance. But if you go for that 55% chance and make it the first time, you've now given yourself a 95% chance of winning if you score that second it touchdown made, at the end of the game. It made perfect sense to me. Now, if you want to question the stupid play call of throwing a fade there, yes. fine, fine, fine. Question that all day. Don't throw a fade. Really, ever. I mean, there's a couple of mismatches in the league. You look at it and go, all right, fine, throw a fade. Now, if if that's there, the there, low percentage there are part. real world situations that Michael Wilbon kind of touches on. If you don't have a good two point play, like you know what? I how, think, do you, how are you in the NFL? I, I don't you know don't why you'd be good... in the NFL, but if you used it already, and it's like I don't know, our second play, I think they're going to sniff it out. Let's just kick, go really conservative. We'll kick the extra point here. You can make that argument, but honestly, the best way to win the game mathematically is to go for that two point conversion when you're down. 14, and you score the touchdown to get down 8. It just makes mathematical sense now, and teams are understanding that, and you're going to see it more and more often. In fact, it'll be it'll be rare where you don't see a team going for 2 when they're down 14, they get to 8, and it's late in the game in the fourth quarter, and they want they know they need another touchdown. They're trying to win the game, and that's the best way to try to ensure a win at the end. If you do happen, everything goes right, and you get another chance to score a touchdown. Moreno's saying, "Well, how many times has this sequence actually happened in NFL playoff history?" Ben, I don't, I don't know uh, the answer to that question, uh, Moreno. How many teams have done what you're saying? Predictive modeling is not reality. But through the it's call. not predictive modeling. We know how many two-point conversions are made, made and, and which are not yeah, made. We have a large sample size yeah. to know what the conversion rate is on two points versus one point. It's a, this is actually a, the, the most simple of the analytics that you can get even and, why, I, like and I said, why it works. Even I understood it. Yeah, there when are when way he explained more, it, I went, oh, There right, are that makes way sense. more advanced things that, that even I don't tap on and, and that teams are using nowadays. But this one... This one is simple. I had Titans had a game earlier. It wasn't in the playoffs. So they had a game earlier this season. Down 14. Did the two-point conversion. Scored another touchdown. Now they were tied. Kicked the extra point, And they won the game. And it, do, it can work. Uh, yeah. Is it possible that you miss both two-point conversions and then you lose yes. the game? Yes. Yeah, the, the the old I guess not the old way, but the the other the safe way is is live to fight another play. You never know what can happen. So But I, is it better to is it better to kick the extra point both times and then lose in overtime? No. Not it's still a loss. No, yeah, exactly. Still a loss. But but you you don't know what could happen. They could throw an interception, they could throw a pick six. You know, I mean it's it's the it's the old adage of of live to, to, to fight another play. Uh, and really eloquently put by our pal Apollo says that was a stupid ass move by the Bucks. Going for two was stupid. Analytics can be stupid as well. Down fourteen, kick the extra point. If they score again, go for two. Don't give an S what you guys say. All right, <laughs> it's not us that say. I mean, it's it makes sense to us, but that's the way that they're they're playing the NFL now. So and and you know trying to win a game. Also, if you're the Buccaneers and you're really not supposed to be the winners of that game. Don't you also need to to take into effect and, and take into account, I don't want to be in overtime against these guys. If we can win this thing in regulation, let's win this thing in regulation. We have a better chance of doing that than we would going to overtime. It's um, But even if you don't have a better chance, it's still the math makes more sense. The math sense makes more sense, yeah. Than going to the, sure. the coin flip of overtime. All right, let's take a timeout. Um, I think when you picture back in the... 
you know, the 50s and 60s, a quieter, more peaceful time, especially at a place like Coronado. And Woods went down a rabbit hole recently that he shared with us that I said, I didn't know this. I grew up in San Diego. I hadn't heard this story. It involves uh, smuggling and uh, an organized crime ring, all run out of sleepy Coronado here in San Diego. Incredible stuff. Woods is going to share with it on a Wednesday rabbit hole when we come back here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I think what surprised me a little bit when you shared with me the story you're about to share on our Wednesday rabbit hole is this this was famous enough they did a, a 60 minutes story about it a while back and I still had I had I grow up I grew up here this is completely something I'd never read about or seen before I, I guess I didn't watch that episode of 60 minutes when I was growing up, but this is—it's known, but it's also not that well known around even San Diego. I'd, I'd been, you know, I've been here 14 years, and in, in next month, and I had never heard of it. I had never really heard of a, a, an inkling of it. And uh, our pal Will Holder, we were on a thread over the break talking about something, and he mentioned, you know, this is what my school is most known for. And then it jogged a little bit, like maybe, maybe I had heard of this before. And so I went and uh, I went down like I do. I went down like a three hour rabbit hole. Uh, and I the the first thing I did, I read this long, long article, found this from 60 Minutes. And we'll get to that right after a check of traffic Next. on 97 yes. through the fan. Idiot. The Coronado Mob. The Coronado Mob, before they were busted, ran a $100 million marijuana smuggling operation from 1972 to 81. And you have never seen a more unlikely-looking bunch of mobsters. 
They came right off the beaches of Southern California and looked as though they'd come right out of a Hollywood casting office. They were all high school pals 10, 15 years ago. There was Lance Weber who built the boats. Lee Strempel who supervised equipment. Don Kidd was the chief mechanic. Al Sweeney was the forger. Robert Lahodney made their most profitable connection. All these and many more of their friends and high school pals were in the Coronado mob. And the backdrop for this improbable gang of smugglers also looks as though it had come straight out of a Hollywood film. Coronado, California, a placid, sun-drenched community near San Diego, known best for its Victorian hotel, the Del Coronado, its naval bases, and its beaches. And the kingpin, the boss of the mob, he too didn't look the part. Louis Villar used to be a high school Spanish teacher and basketball coach. How did all these men get into the marijuana business? It, Look how he says Coronado. 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 It's like Ben saying curls bad. So I, I just... Adele Coronado. I went nuts on this thing. And I did a little bit of uh, of digging. Lou Villar uh, was a Spanish teacher at Coronado High and got to know several of the students over the years. And Lou kind of washed out from... He passed away last year uh, in September, as a matter of fact. But he kind of washed out of, of teaching. And this is the late 60s, man. And it is tune in, turn on, drop out. You know, and so you found a lot of wayward youths at the time and people that really they didn't want to go to Vietnam. Obviously, um, they weren't really excited about being in the military. Uh, they wanted to get high and they wanted to hang out and they wanted to surf and they wanted to do all the things that they wanted to do. And, you know, they didn't care what their parents said. They want, you know, weed is really busted on the scene. There was no <coughs> March and Ash right down. the No, street, though, you couldn't just then. pick yeah. up the phone or shoot a text or anything like that. So the first First guy had this idea. Dude, where we live in Coronado, if you paddle a mile this way, I'm in Mexico waters. I'm there. So they would go out. They would paddle a mile. They would get pot from Mexico for dirt cheap, and they would put it on their surfboard, and they would paddle it back. And that's how it started. So guy comes back, and he's got you know some weed, a couple pounds of weed that he paddled back then. Terrifying. The ter- the thought is terrifying of paddling that far, number one. Number two, with your cargo that you're bringing. But the demand was such where they're like, all right, yeah, I'll go back and get more. So I did two pounds and then five pounds and then 10 pounds. And then it was, I can't paddle with all this weed on my board. What if we did like a little boat? Get a little boat, go over there, buy this for really cheap, come back here, give it to our friends, sell it, smoke it, whatever more already more money they knew what to do with. And we're talking just 100 pounds at a time. So then they realized, I think we're actually getting hosed by the Mexican pot dealers. We need we don't speak the language. We need somebody that can speak the language. Guy was driving down the street one day, looked up, saw his old Spanish teacher, Lou Villar, painting a house. Just needed some extra money, was you know not really into teaching, not really doing anything anymore. Painting a house, guy stops, he says, Lou, you speak Spanish, right? He goes, yeah, very well. He said, I'll give you 50 bucks if you come to Tijuana for lunch with me today. Lou said, yeah, let's do it. Bails on the house, gets in. Turns out when they get there, he's negotiating a deal, a better deal for the pot. Made 50 bucks off the deal. So it was the biggest rush he's ever experienced in his life. Was talking to these other guys. They started bringing in their buddies from high school that they, they went to school with. And they decided, let's do like a, let's do like a big one. Let's get like a couple of hundred pounds. And one guy built the boat, was the engineer. One guy was the spotter. Lou was the ringleader. 
This thing grew and it grew and it grew and it grew to a hundred million dollar operation. These guys had homes in Santa Barbara. They had homes in Vail. This was late 60s? Late 60s, early 70s, into the 80s. I mean, it went... So that's like a billion dollars it, it, it went. Now. It went nuts. It went... And there was more supply than they could handle. They just had to figure out how to get it here. They had these intricate operations with boats and duck boats and 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 all kinds of... of Ways to, to be avoiding, the, avoiding Coast the Coast Guard and, and patrols. And, they did it at night under the cover of darkness. It was fascinating. And it was all normal, upper upper crusts, you know, kids that decided, now nah, this is this is the way we want to live. We want to be smugglers right now. And it all happened right over there in Coronado, Benny. So the mo- the most interesting thing, this is and it actually like hurts my heart that it hasn't happened yet. George Clooney bought the rights to this story, and they were going to make a movie called Coronado High, which is brilliant. Just brilliant. Coronado High. And I could see it in my mind. I went, this is, I mean, there's no question that you would want to sit down and watch that movie. He wanted to to write it, produce it. I think it's hit a little bit of a lull. It's kind of stalled out. But, man, like, imagine that movie being made. George Clooney producing or directing <laughs> Maybe starring in it in some capacity. Coronado High, the story of the the Coronado Company, as they call them. So a few of the guys have, have passed away. Uh, but you can go to thecoronadoco.com. So I didn't I think see, I read Lou passed away just last Lou year. Lou passed away last I, year. I didn't see the end of the story. I read some of it. They eventually started importing drugs from Asia, like Thailand, like oh, oh yeah, yeah, Thai, thai, yeah uh, thai, thai stick. They'd, they'd like you know meet the boats on the coast yep. and you know drag them up onto the beach and uh, and they get their supply from uh, from Asia. How did it all end? End though. So were they ever were they caught? Oh yeah, they all, they, 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 they all did time. They all did time. All did time in prison. Um, <clears throat> had to give you know a lot of the money back, um, but they. They got away with it for a long time, and they lived about as high on the hog, as no pun intended, as you you possibly could. Uh, and they were the FBI guy that caught them said they were the most they were some of the best smugglers that this world has ever known. These guys were truly masters of their craft um, because of their brilliant engineering mind that could build these boats that were undetectable, and it was just a perfect team. It was like. You know, it was like it was like the everybody had a role. They knew their role. They didn't quibble about money and things like that. But the way they got popped is one guy wanted out. They paid him off, and he ended up getting busted for something else and kind of ratted them out. Now, they didn't do huge time. They didn't do, like, 40 years or anything like that. But they all went to prison. Um, it, if you can go take 20 minutes today to watch the 60-minute special, it's Mike Wallace ta- and talking to the guys that did it. It's amazing. It's truly, truly incredible stuff. Happened right here in our backyard. It blows me away that you had never heard this. I had not. I had not heard this story. And, uh, you know, this is like the same, you know, my dad, La Jolla High School, about yeah. the same time. Yeah. That, you know, this is all going on. And San Diego was a much smaller community yeah. back then. Uh, there weren't nearly as many schools. You'd probably, you know, run into more of the, the kids from other schools than you would have ever nowadays when, you know, it's such a big big place now but back then it was a much smaller sleepier town for all of this to be going right under the nose of everybody just across the just across the bay there in coronado and you you think about that step in your life 
where you're like, you know, the guys, if the guy, if Lou had just said, nah, man, I can't make it today. I got to finish painting this house, right? <laughs> There's a, a threshold where you go, all right, I have to go both feet over the line. I can't do a toe in, a toe in the water. I got to jump in. And all these guys did, all smart kids, you know, good students, top athletes. The, Lou was their coach in basketball and swimming. Like, these were good kids. They were good kids that said, I don't want to be a part of the establishment. I want to be in the counterculture. This is what I'm going to do, and I can make a buttload of money doing it. But taking that step into, like, all right, we're now drug smugglers is is one. I, that's what, what resonated with me of going, I could never. I, I don't have the stomach for it. There's just no chance. Ben, how about you? Could you have been? A- I don't think I would have had the stomach for it. No, Woods, to be a smuggler. Just the most gnarly, gnarly. I mean, if situation. I had to be, I'd be the maybe the lookout. The lookout. Yeah, I can you see get ben, too nervous. I can yeah. see Ben contributing with some logistics help, but not. Don't I don't no really want to be. I want to be there, but yeah. If but you need if my you advice, go this way, yeah, you yeah. might have a better chance. <laughs> so analytics said, tells you. Analytics would say. You said they were raking in like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. I did a little uh, inflation calculator here yeah. in the mid late sixties. Hundred million dollars, nine hundred and sixty million today. Good. Lord, it's billion, like the, billion dollars. It's like the Dodgers and Shohei Otani's deferred right. payments. Exactly. Now, was point. it just weed? Yeah, just or weed. Were they... they, they, I think they partook in other things, but they didn't get into the the actual smuggling of of things like that. But is there? Uh, I see in our chat, people are casting the movie. Uh, I want Miles Teller as the lead smuggler. Oh yeah, Michael Pena as the Spanish teacher. <laughs> Pablo Pascal <laughs> as the, the as as uh, Lou Viar would be amazing. I mean, the, the picture Pedro that Pascal, I saw sorry. that's yeah, pretty like white bread, bro. Like, yes, there is as nondescript looking kids. That's what you know? Mike yeah. Wallace was saying. It's like. They didn't look like this brilliant mob, which is what they were. Um, they just looked like regular. Um, they look like they Fast should be on, times at Ridgemont High. No, students, Beach Boys so. cover of Beach Boys yeah. albums. That's what yeah. they look like. And they were all surfer kids, and they just said, "We don't want. We don't want to live this life anymore. We don't want to be like mom and dad." I mean, dude, for a while, for, when they talk about all their different homes and things that they had, you're like, these guys were really doing it. They really had a. Wouldn't you? If you got away with it for like three years, wouldn't there come a point where you're like, I've got enough money, I have these homes, I've avoided it now, I'm under the radar, I'm out. That's what would get me. If Even if I ever jumped, I'd be like... God, dude, it's like Breaking Bad. He got enough money to take true. care of his family for it's more. the cancer treatments and probably if he the, were to die, but he was like, no, now I need I need it all. It's probably the rush, too, oh, of, yeah. of the, the, the doing the act of smuggling. That They all said it. They said, when that boat hits the beach... And all those guys run down and they're grabbing these bales. They're throwing them in a four by four. That was the juice for them. It wasn't that you know we whack up a hundred thousand dollars. It was watching the boat get to the beach and then knowing we did it. We got away with it. Obviously, uh, you know, drug smuggling is dangerous and a serious yeah. crime. And there's probably other you know tax crimes as well that goes along yeah, with absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm curious though. You know, obviously. Attitudes have changed quite a bit, especially toward marijuana, yeah. which has been legalized for, I mean, how many years now? It's it's Bunch. been it's been, a, it's been a many a years now, and six, I, seven, eight years. People who are younger than us, who didn't really necessarily grow up in the time when it was much more strictly forbidden and you know illicit, if they have a different view of this story, oh, I'm, as I'm maybe sure like they do. A, an older listener who remembers growing up at a time when you know the 
the potheads. That was, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just something funny. It's like, oh, that guy's just a pothead. I mean, it was like, ooh, stay away from him. He's a he's a head. dangerous. I used to call him a head. head. He's, he's dangerous. A, he's a head. You know, that's a dangerous thing <laughs> out there. I'm going to post the link on my Twitter uh, for you guys to read the story. There's some really involved stories. Uh, again, the 60 Minutes special is spectacular. Shot in that old, you know, 1980s way that they used to do it. Uh, beautiful shots of our city uh, as well. But it it was so riveting, riveting stuff um, right here in our own backyard. Did you guys watch my 60 Minutes? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we, I, you know, my, my parents always watched, and I, it was Sunday night. And yeah, we were kind of watched it. Settling in, getting ready for Monday morning, and we ended up watching but it a lot of the time. When you up. heard the ticks, the weekend was over. Over, yes. The football games were over. Yeah, and you had this panic And dinner a was bit. done, dinner and it was, was like, oh, my weekend is done. The ticks. And you knew it. All right. It's like the ticking sound. I got to go to bed soon. I and then it's like. Monday morning is here, yeah. and back to the home. Did I get all my homework done and everything? Am I yeah. ready to go for the weekend? It was the signal. Yeah. It was the signal of our youth. I mean, I like to stand for murder. She wrote after sixty <laughs> minutes, obviously. But. It was. I would feign interest in sixty minutes so I could stay up later. Dad, I want to watch this. I'm Steve Croft. Okay. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bob Simon. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Dave Jones. <laughs> I'm Scott Pelley. What was that? Those stories Pelly? and Andy Rooney. <laughs> Someone did a parody. Or... <laughs> I'm Dave. What? Jay? I don't know. This is really, really good. So I just. I mean, who away. were they? I Morley Safer, Mike Wallace, um, Diane Sawyer. Yeah, I mean, there was the I, there was that core cast though when I was growing up and watching. Who were the main? Ed Bradley with his uh, Harry Reasoner. I loved yeah, Harry Reasoner. I loved Ed Bradley, <laughs> Ed Bradley with his, his earrings. earrings. Yeah. So oh. good. The one cool legend. Sixty legend. minutes host. Mike Wallace crushes. And then uh, story. Andy Rooney with the eyebrows at the end. I'm and... Andy Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of too many people that I know. Can't stand that. He probably dude. is not a fan of analytics either. Or going for two. Or hundred yeah, percent. Or <laughs> drug Dan smuggling uh, in Coronado. Yeah, Dan Rather. I mean, it was a brilliant show, but it did. It was. It meant your weekend's over, buddy. Time that guy made it in. Entire career of being, out of a, being a grumpy old man. Being a turd. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I don't understand. I, 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 I can't stand that dude. Oh, I never could. Even when I was a kid, I was like, I don't like you. He really man. missed his calling in sports talk radio. Oh, he would have crushed it. His big eyebrows. <laughs> Why did Jay Stingler do that? <laughs> Gives me the chills, man. <laughs> Mike Schilt is an idiot, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> can't stand him. Never liked him. I think he's dead. I think he, they most of them have passed away. Yes, he's Rest definitely. Shout out to your family. Long, long ago. It's been. A, you think it was? Shit? I don't think it was shtick either. I don't think no, he was like. No, I, I don't think he got off the night. He was like, "Hey, how'd I do? Did I crush that?" That's <laughs> truly. A I think he was just an old turd. All the my coffee's too cold. <laughs> This chair's uncomfortable. I bet the production maybe, assistants maybe hated I'm working with him. God, maybe I'm him, actually. <laughs> Complaining about my expense reports and the water and all that. Andy Rooney. I'm Ben Higgins. I'm Stephen Woods. I'm Paul Rindle. We'll be back with more Ben and Woods next on 97.3 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 